My name is Kent, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here today. And I want to start by offering a prayer for you. The Lord be with you. So we're going to be looking at the resurrection from John's version of the account. And I'd like to invite you, if you have a Bible, to follow along. Or there's some Bibles in the chairs you could grab. Or if you've got a phone or some other device, you can look it up online. John chapter 20 is where we're going to be reading. John 20. I think John gives one of the more complex accounts of what goes on. So I'm going to read quite a few verses just to help us get a feel for exactly how he was seeing the story unfold. But I'm going to start with John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight through into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed, yet they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples where they, with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she bid them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed that they saw the Lord. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. Quick question. What do you love most about Easter? Okay, other than the resurrection. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and share something about what you love most about Easter. If someone's sitting by themselves, reach over and make sure you include them in your little conversation. What you love most about Easter.
Okay, if you're like me, it is hard to narrow it down to just one thing. I'm going to share a few of the things I love. I love the classic songs, the ones we just sang. I actually started in the shower this morning, up from the grave, he arose. I just can't help it. My voice is already hashed out from singing in the shower. I love chocolate, chocolate eggs, chocolate bunnies, chocolate kisses, chocolate with peanut butter, chocolate dipped in chocolate, love it all. I love seeing you all here, and I got to tell you, most weeks you look pretty good, but today you all look fabulous. You look really good, especially everyone who decided to wear a purple shirt today. Don't we all look good? I love this about Easter. I love that many in our community are becoming more open, actually, to spiritual things, that people in our community are kind of awakening to the mystery and the kind of transcendent ideas. They actually take surveys about this every Easter, and the most recent survey that was taken last Easter, one year ago, showed that 77% of Americans, 77%, now believe that Jesus rose from the dead which I think is an amazing statistic, and that's actually a higher number than it has been for decades, which I love that people are more and more open to spiritual mysteries and open to God's actions. I love that. But one of my favorite parts of Easter is this, that Easter raises really great questions. You know, as we were reading through this passage of John, was there a lot of questions raised for you? curious about what's going on there, how the story is unfolding. And Easter also gives us answers to really great questions. Easter is about these questions that are kind of of fundamental importance, questions that I would call burning questions, those questions that you, you have to dig after until you get an answer to them. Do you have a burning question about Easter? I overheard a little conversation this week between a mother and her little girl. This was the conversation the little girl said, Mommy, will the Easter bunny bring me purple jelly beans? Burning question? Mother said, I'm sure he will bring you jelly beans, honey. But remember, Easter, Easter isn't about the bunny. Easter's about Jesus. And the little girl said, will the jelly beans be purple? <laughs> and the mother said, yes, honey, I'm sure that some of the jelly beans will be purple. But remember, what's important about Easter isn't the bunny or the beans, it's Jesus and how much Jesus loves you. And the little girl said, Mommy, how many purple jelly beans will the Easter bunny bring me? <laughs> to which the mother said, she was really working hard, I think he will probably bring you plenty of purple jelly beans, but do you know how much Jesus loves you? And the little girl thought for a while and she asked, Will Jesus bring me purple jelly beans? <laughs> There's a burning question for you. I have a burning question for you all. Why are you here today? Why'd you show up? I'm curious about that. I wonder if showing up in a place like this for worship on Easter is just part of the tradition. You know, we got Easter bunnies, we got Easter lilies, we got chocolate, we got all this stuff that's part of Easter. And so I'm going to put in my time here this morning before I have to go spend time with my relatives. Kind of a maybe a penance. I don't know. (laughs) And if that's the case, that's fine. I'm just glad you're here. You can check it off your list. But I'm wondering if that everybody who doesn't come into a worship service at Easter doesn't come with a little more expectation than that, even those who come reluctantly. If you don't come hoping to hear something more, 
maybe hoping to hear some answers to some of the questions that you might have. I kind of hope that unless you're four, you think of Easter as being more than just purple jelly beans, that it could have greater significance. So I thought it would be helpful for us today in the next few minutes to just go through a couple of burning questions and see what Easter might have to say about that. So that's what I'm going to do with you. First question, am I safe? You know, we live in a world that sometimes really feels unsafe, don't we? If you pay attention to what's going on out there, our paths take us many different directions, but often that pathway ends up in places that are hard and unsafe. Maybe there's a betrayal by a friend, the loss of a job, a serious accident, devastating pain, a diagnosis of cancer, death of a loved one. Any of these things turn our world upside down. In an instant, they can change our pathway. They can make our world feel really tough. And we long for assurance then, don't we, that there's something to help us through this, maybe a way to make it safer. Am I safe? That's a basic human question, a basic human need to have safety and security. How does the resurrection help with this? The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is available to us no matter where your path takes you, no matter what happens along that path. I love John's version of the gospel story. It's filled with questions and with some things that feel unsafe. Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb early in the morning. It's still dark. There's been all kinds of turmoil. I mean, she's hit a wall, right, of trouble, as have the rest of the disciples. They're hiding in locked rooms. That's how unsafe it feels to them. Her world is turned upside down. Listen again to how this story begins. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved away. She's going to a graveyard in the dark, and she's met with this surprise. The stone that was supposed to be there is gone. Now she wonders what to do. She runs to tell others to get some help. When, fi- when someone finally has the courage to go into the grave, to look into the tomb, it's empty. The grave cloths are still there, but there's no body. And now they all have a burning question. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? She encounters this man. She's so stricken with grief, she can't even recognize it as Jesus. Where did you take him? I think this is a question we ask when we have trouble, isn't it, in our pathways? Where is Jesus? Or maybe the related question is, is Jesus still with me when I hit a wall, when I have trouble in my life, when my path takes an unexpected turn? Where is Jesus? Is he still with us? Have you ever asked that question? I know I have. So far in my journey, I, I can identify four really big walls that I've hit in my life. The first one came when I watched a friend of mine flip her pickup truck upside down in a ditch and five of our friends were in the back of the truck. And I was in the car behind them watching all this happen. The second wall came when my youngest, Shana, decided she wanted to enter this world several months prematurely. And I was scared to death. And I hit a wall. 
The next big wall was when I watched my own marriage disintegrate. And part of the reason for that was because I had an addiction to pornography. I hit a wall. And the fourth big wall was when I watched my oldest daughter slid into the belly of a life flight helicopter and I did not know if I would ever see her alive again. And the question I asked at each one of those big walls was, where is Jesus? Is Jesus still with me? And I've hit dozens, maybe hundreds of little walls along my journey. And every time I hit one of those walls, that's the question I ask. Is Jesus with me in this trouble? Is Jesus with me in this time? And you know what? Because of the resurrection, you know what my answer is? Yeah. He's with me. He is alive, and he's with me. Truth be told, if we honesty, life is not always safe, is it? But the resurrection tells us that even when life feels the most unsafe, Jesus is still with us. That's one of the things I love about Easter. Which leads me right into my second question. My second question is this, am I loved? Does anybody love me? And we all have this basic human need to be loved, which makes us ask this burning question, am I loved? Does anybody love me? If the risen Jesus is always with us, and if the risen Jesus is all-powerful, the risen Jesus has so much power, he even has power over life and death, he has power over sin, this is a lot of power. But is it comforting if Jesus has all this power and he's not interested in us? What if Jesus is all-powerful and he pays no attention to who we are? He doesn't care about us. How would we know if Jesus is interested in us? Some of you know Mary, my wife, and she can tell that I'm interested in her by the way I look at her. Sometimes I wake up early in the morning and in the early morning light, I roll over and I see her laying there next to me and I think, she is beautiful. And then sometimes I tell her that. I woke up early this morning and I was staring at you and you're beautiful. And she looks at me and she puts her hands over her face and she says, are you crazy? That's what she says to me. And I said, no, I'm not crazy. You are beautiful and I am blessed. And Mary sometimes says back to me, sometimes out of the blue, she'll say things like, I am so handsome and <laughs> you're a good man and you're so charming and junk like that. And then she looks at me in a way, I know what she's going to say before she says it. She says, I love you. And I am thrilled every time I hear that because I want to be loved. It's a basic need. We all have, and you do too. Ann Voskamp is a writer, and she recently blogged about this question of being loved. And she suggested some questions that we ask as tests to tell if somebody else loves us. Questions like this, do you look for me? Ever find yourself at a party, a crowded room, and you're wondering where your loved one is? You look around the room to try to find him. Do you look out for me? Someone has your back. Do you overlook me or look down on me? That's not very loving. Do you look at me and see me as precious and priceless? 
See suggests that we know that we are loved when someone is really looking out for us. In, Bi- in the Bible, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible is Luke 15. And in this chapter, God is described as being like a woman who has some coins, just a few, and she loses one. And she's so interested in finding this coin back that she sweeps the house, she tears the cushions out of the couch, she looks under the bed, she turns the whole house upside down until she finds that coin that she's lost. And when she finds it, she calls the neighbors over and she says, hey, the coin that I lost, I found, let's celebrate. And God is described as a man who has a hundred sheep And one of those hundred sheep is lost. And so he leaves the 99 sheep behind and he goes looking for this lost sheep high and low, far and wide. He looks until he finds this sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he goes back and he calls the neighbors again, look, this precious lamb I found. Let's celebrate. And God is described as a father whose son has left, who's run away from home. And he's squandered his wealth in wild living. And he hits a wall, and he comes to his senses when he hits this wall, and he decides, I'd be better off going home. And so he goes back to his father, and the great, greatest verse in all of Scripture, Luke 15, 22, it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran to him, and he greeted him with a hug and a kiss and a ring and a robe, and he brings him home, and he calls all the neighbors, and he says, let's celebrate this son who was lost has been found. He's so precious to me. Does God look for me? Does God look for you? Does he look over us? Me and you? Does he ever look down on us? Does God look at us as though we were precious and priceless? I am loved and I know I am loved. Because God sent his one and only son to live a perfect life, to die a gruesome death, to be buried in a tomb, and then to be raised to life again. God was willing to do that because he loves me and he loves you. I know this is true because of the resurrection. The resurrection says once I was God's enemy, once I was far from God, once I needed to be rescued, and so God rescued me. That's how much he loved me. And that's how much he loves you. And I know it's true because the tomb is empty. Third question. Do I matter? This is another universal human question, a burning question. Does my life have meaning and significance? Do I matter? Came across this interesting information this week. The U.S. Bureau of Chemistry and Soils must not have a lot to do, so they calculated the chemical and mineral composition of the human body. And so here's how we are all made up. 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, 1% phosphorus, less than 1% of potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine, magnesium, iron, and trace amounts of fluorine, silicon, magnesium, zinc, copper, aluminum, and arsenic. That's what we're made of. And if you took all these parts and separated them out and sold them, you know what they would be worth? About a dollar. Actually, the most valuable part of our anatomy is our skin, which if you decided you wanted to sell off all of your skin, you could probably get about 350 for it. So all told, our sum 
of all of our parts is worth less than five bucks. That's what you're worth, right? Okay, take a moment and do this for me. Take your fingers and put them up next to your windpipe and just take a deep breath and feel, what do you feel? What are you feeling? Pulse? Yep. What is that worth? So somehow, these $5 worth of all these parts come together and they make you. And they mean life. Easter is about the power that makes five bucks worth of stuff priceless. That's what Easter is about. That's what we're celebrating today. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. No matter where our path takes us. Resurrection is about power over sin and death. Resurrection is about how far God would go to demonstrate his love for us. Resurrection is about eternity. Resurrection is about us and the fact that we matter to God. St. Augustine talked about this idea of mattering or belonging, and he said this. He said that this is called a longing for God. That's how he described it. That we all have this innate longing for God and that we're actually restless until we find that. That's where our ultimate meaning and purpose comes, when we find our place in God. Another way to say that is we all want to know God. We all want to know that we are safe in God's hands. We all want to know that we are loved by God. We all want to know that we matter to God. And we want to know that death is not the end. We want to know that there's more to life than this. And if you're not exactly sure what all of this means for you personally, then you're in good company because Mary, when she came to the tomb on that first Easter morning, wasn't sure about all this either. Her life had just hit a wall. It had just been turned upside down. She was coming to the tomb thinking that death was final and that Jesus' death was final. She was coming there to prepare Jesus' $5 worth of chemicals for burial. That's what she came to do. And she was very sad because of this, so sad that she didn't know what to do, so sad that she kept crying. Why are you crying? Because the world was not safe for her and because she was grieving the loss and she was wondering, where is Jesus? Can you relate to Mary? Are you worried about a meaningless life? Tired of sickness and tragedy? Discouraged by suffering and trouble? Grieving the death of a loved one? Stuck at a wall? Wondering if you're loved? Wondering if you matter? These are all great questions. Burning questions that we all have. Now, feel this again. Just as surely as the blood is pumping through your veins right now, Jesus is alive. And the answer to all of our burning questions is that the tomb is empty. That's what I love about Easter. And that's way better 
than purple jelly beans. Let's pray. God, we come before you today and we give you thanks for drawing us here today. We know that we're not here by mistake. We know that we're all here for a reason. And we're so grateful that you're the one who's willing to love us and to meet us and to shower and lavish us with your goodness. And I pray that because we've gathered here today, we might experience that, not just today, but into the coming weeks and months and years. That we recognize that you are alive, and so you are walking with us through every part of our journey. And God, I pray for someone who's in this room right now who might be at a really tough spot in their journey. They've hit a wall, and they're wondering where you are. God, I pray that your spirit would come down upon them with such power and such clarity right now that they would feel your presence, that they would feel your hand upon them, that you would guide them and bless them and uphold them and hug them with your strong arms. And God, for those who are here on the other end of the spectrum celebrating and rejoicing, I pray that in the midst of that we would recognize that every good and perfect gift that we have comes from the Father of lights. It comes from your hand. And the greatest gift of all is the gift of life, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, the gift of knowing you as our Lord and Savior. And God, we thank you today that we can celebrate a risen Savior. We're so grateful for that. So God, I pray that you'll continue the good work that you've started and we'll be careful to give you praise and thanks for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we send you out the door, we always like to have a little kind of what's so what part of the service, like what's the response? Can you do something else about this? I'd like to just encourage two things. The first thing would be continue to read the story of the power that is unleashed by the resurrected Jesus. And I'm going to suggest that you do that by reading the book of Acts. And we've got a little guide in your sermon notes that you can start following along. But if you don't need that. Just read a chapter a day. And as you read through the book of Acts, you're going to discover more and more about the power of the resurrected Jesus transforming lives and transforming the world. And so I would invite you to maybe continue your journey by reading through that book with us. And then the other thing is, uh, kind of what Kyle was talking about in the children's sermon, we want to practice sharing good news or practice encouraging each other. And so we're going to do that by passing the peace. Um, and the classic way of doing this is I say, the peace of Christ be with you, and you say, also with you. But there's other more informal ways. You can say good morning or glad to see you or happy Easter, but you're going to be spreading the good news of God's love when you do that. So why don't you stand up right now and pass the peace of Christ to each other.